everybody. Welcome back to the Media Tavern, the place where two nerds who love media stuff like movies and TV and music sit around and talk about all the stuff they consume. My name is Eric. Today, as always, with my good buddy, Mr. Todd Stanton. Todd, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, buddy? I feel like we haven't talked in a while. I mean, what's going on in your life? Uh, man, you know, again, just and soaking up these last holidays, uh, last holiday days, um, and enjoying kind of looking forward to coming into the new year. I got all sorts of plans with you. We're going to do all sorts of cool stuff and uh, keep making this cool podcast along with other things. And you're like a big keyboard guy. I mean, I, you're like always buying keyboards, try this keyboard out, sell that keyboard. Like you're like, you're almost like a keyboard, I don't know, revolving door. What, what's well, the latest? What's the latest keyboard you got now since I bought your last one? <laughs> uh, so over there, I've got a, I, I decided that I'm going to, well, first of all, you're a much better keyboard player than me. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm in come the on. learning process. You and your oh. wife are like legit players. Dude, you're good. You're good. I love your playing. You're crazy, but thank you. Uh, so I started um, playing organ, you know, and then I realized I wasn't learning like a lot of like actual keyboard skills. So I bought, I got rid of the organ, gave it, I sold it to you. And I got, um, which was my Nord. I miss it. Nord, and uh, yeah. I got a um, a full 88 key weighted, like ele- electric, electronic piano, like a Casio 1100. What is it? It's a Casio 11, PX oh, 1100. Okay. All right. 88 keys. Yeah. Yeah. I got so a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. You got, your house is like <laughs> hilarious. You have a grand piano in your house. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I've been playing, I, I've been like really working on piano stuff like straight up regular piano things and then anything from there, in particular gonna, that you're like proud of playing right now uh i've tried to do a bunch of christmas songs but it, it didn't work out like i wanted to have stuff ready for christmas and be like come on everyone gather around but it didn't, it didn't pan out because i tried oh, to learn the weather I, outside is frightful oh i went in hardcore and tried to learn linus and lucy and that was stupid because it's the hardest like song to learn i can do the beginning of it do, 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 yeah do, but i can't do the. Do, do, i can do, do each do, side do, do, separately right you don't you have to split your brain and have to play that because yeah. you have to keep this thing going yeah but yeah it's, so, it's, it's that's a fun song i saw somebody just play on tiktok and i thought man i should really figure out the rest of it because that's, yeah that's a, just I, a cool little fun song it is it's great and i learned it i got to where it was like my brain wasn't quite melting but it wasn't relaxing for me to play so i quit it does hurt. Uh, one song i've been jamming on is this song by cannibal adderley called mercy 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 and it's a song that a lot of piano guys point to as like their that's their go-to like jam and it has like three sections oh. and you can pretty much get with anybody and if you know that song and they know it you can rock out for a while and it's really really fun to play it's got a great kind of jazz kind of baseline and lilt and then it kind of goes into this funky structure and then it goes into like a chorus thing and then it re- repeats and then you just look go it forever up. i gotta look it up then it's we can play phenomenal. we can play it together yeah i'll send you it to you it's, it's yeah. excellent stuff all right sounds cool so uh it, it, with my theme i did last week i'm wearing another movie yes. related shirt so, i was gonna ask you about your shirt there it's yeah. never too late to men tell me what you got going on there buddy so it's a movie that came out in 1980. Um, it, it's actually star. It's some people consider it a comedy. Some people consider it a uh, musical. Believe it or not, it um, it uh, stars two um, SNL uh, people back in the day. Any guesses? And um, is it Night at the Roxbury? Nope, nope. Little little before that. Little yeah, bit earlier SNL. I Homer. give. 
Blues Brothers. What am I stupid? Of One of my it's favorite movies of all time. And what this what this shirt is, uh, it's uh, the last scene in the movie is they're playing Jailhouse Rock in in a in a prison. Yes. The whole band is there. Oh, yeah. And on the are. wall is this. And and what this is from is uh, Joliet Prison in uh, Illinois. And last year they had a Blues Brothers uh, festival at Joliet, Joliet Prison. And you went in there and they had like little vendors set up and they, they actually had uh, Dan Aykroyd and um, who's uh, James, James Belushi came in and they were acting like the Blues Brothers. Um, and that was kind of like the big draw. We didn't actually wait around till then because the whole thing was kind of borderline pathetic. But it was just fun experience to be at the prison, like, oh, that's where they shot this and they shot that. And uh, it, was, it was a cool thing. But I just, I got this shirt and it was like, my brother, my brother says, I don't know if I'd wear it because I don't want people to think like I'm going to AA or something. And I'm like, oh, I guess so. But I guess what the sad thing about this, this is not on any wall. That shot in the in the in the Blues Brothers with where the band's playing and this is on the wall. That's not in the prison. That was actually shot in L.A. on a stage. Uh, so that whole scene at the end is not at the prison. Um, the whole scene in the beginning where Jake is coming out of the prison, that's Juliet prison. But they're supposedly supposed to be like back in that prison at the end of the movie. But this is nowhere on any wall. But where it is, is on the floor in the death row unit. Oh man, isn't that kind of suck? Like it's never too late to to mend, well, and that's it's dark. Actually, late to mend. Are they like punking these people one last? I don't time? know, right? It's like when you walk in there, it's like, oh, that's it's not cool. Frank Oz in in that scene where he's coming out of prison, and he gives him back all his stuff, one yeah, condom yeah. used. That's great. Uh, strike hard, strike first. No mercy. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Okay, so is that from the new? Sh- I never saw the show again, TV series, or is that? from the uh the original movie. it's both yeah it's from the movie and the uh, karate kid yeah yeah from karate kid which the sh- the movie i've watched a bunch of times and it's okay but like this and the show is good and, and i watched the first like four seasons three seasons it's good but i just think the shirt looks awesome and i got it at like you know walmart or something it's not oh, like okay. it's some <laughs> special cool shirt but all right well yeah i mean you get some of the best stuff like uh when you don't even think about it like you wear it and like oh you know i really like this shirt so like this uh, like this particular one got ruined i it got a stain on it or something i was so bummed out because i got it at the prison and so I sent away for another one. <laughs> so and they're like, this guy's hooked. Yeah, I know. So I, I like it. It fits really well too. I like it. I'm like getting larger body. So you look um, handsome, my friend. I mean, I saw your shirt, but what's what's the M, the Michigan thing all about? What why? Go blue, baby. Big game this weekend. Uh I work in Ann Arbor and I went to a movie in Ann Arbor last night with my family. What'd you see? We went to the Michigan Theater there and uh uh if you can't tell i have a michigan theater background and we saw a little movie by a small unknown up-and-coming director oh by the name of steven spielberg a movie i think i've heard of him what's that (laughs) i think i've heard of him yeah he's good he's a young young whippersnapper he's really getting after it uh okay that's good good to know so we saw the fablemans last night in this theater that's right here here that i actually saw it pretty early because they were 
like, you know, I don't know, maybe like three or four weeks after it was at the theater, the, they released like digital version of it that you could, you could rent for like 20 bucks or buy it for 25. So I just bought it. So I feel My like mom that's how saw much it I, in the theater the week it was playing here. Like she saw it, like she went and saw it. It played here in town. So who did your wife? My mom. Oh, your mom. Okay. So let's, then let's talk about that. What? Okay. So what the hell did I watch? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm my, so my wife and son and I went and saw that movie and we all had three completely different opinions when we came out. What is your opinion overall of the Fablemans? And then we'll get into the details. Well, it's so, so that people know it's, it's, it's about, uh, it's like post world war two era. Uh, this kid named Sammy Fableman. Sam. Um, what did I say? No, he keeps correcting everyone saying Sam. Oh, oh, he does. That's right. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, you just saw it. I ha- I haven't seen it. We so see it's like it. a bio. It's a, it's like a fake biopic about Spielberg's, Spielberg's life. real life. Yeah, yeah. And Spielberg's life growing up wasn't the best family scenario. I always knew that. I mean, I knew his mom was kind of flaky. I knew his mom kind of cheated. Um, I didn't know that much about his dad. But, you know, I don't know how much one-to-one this is to Spielberg's uh, story, but I would imagine it is. It reminded me sort of, sort of. Did you ever see that one movie with uh, Shia LaBeouf? And it's, it's about his, uh, he grows up, uh, he's, his whole. The Peanut Butter Falcon? No, not mm-hmm. Peanut Butter Falcon. The movie that was made, I think, the same year, 2019, called Honey Boy. Did you ever see that? No, but I know of which you speak. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's uh again, it's not supposed to be about Shia LaBeouf, but it's 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 about a young actor growing up, and he and his dad's a mess, and and his the whole life is a mess. And I wouldn't say the Fablemans is like that messy. Like you know, Shia LaBeouf's story, like they grew up in a hotel, like in a hotel. I'm sorry, a motel environment. And there's like hookers and drug addicts. And, and he's, and he's, you know, the family is hardly making any money with his acting career. And his dad used to be a big actor at some point in the past. And, but his dad is a drunk and it's just, it's not, it's a very depressing story. I wouldn't say that about the Fablemans. Like I felt like it was a, even despite all these terrible kind of like things, I shouldn't say terrible, but saddening kind of things going on in the family. The mom is having an affair. Um, the and the dad doesn't know about it, and it's with um, the the dad's friend, good friend. He considers him his best friend. Yeah, um, it's Uncle it's Benny, a, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, and um, but it's it's it's. That is kind of like um, the backdrop to the Sammy kid, Sam, who is learning how to be a filmmaker. And you're, you're seeing like his love for uh, film happen. And um, I don't know, it's, it's an, I think I thought it was a nice little sweet story um, and how it, his, his filming uh, not only captured things he didn't want to see, but he captured stuff that brought his friend base kind of closer to him because he's kind of a nerdy kid in school. And so it was just kind of like the power of the camera. Um, So like, yeah. So at the very beginning when he's young, Sammy slash 
Stephen, basically, his parents take him to go see the greatest show on earth, the movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's a yeah. scene in the movie that scares the hell out of him with a train crash. And yeah, he's stuff. very young. He's like probably like what six or something. Yeah, like, like very impressionable. Yeah, and so yeah. he that part really freaks him out, and he ends up recreating it with a toy train set to kind of like work through what he saw. And eventually his mom gives him his dad's video camera or film camera to like document it so he can just watch it over and over again and not have to break all his trains every time. And uh, that kind of gets the ball rolling for him with, you know, the motion pictures, essentially. And, and what did they allude to that he was kind of like autistic of sorts or on the spectrum or something like didn't What didn't you feel like that's what? They were saying there was something um, in the beginning, but they, maybe, I don't feel like they expanded on that at all. Nah, I don't know. I didn't vibe. I didn't feel that vibe. But well, they said I, something about he had anxiety. Well, I think he was pretty anxious kid. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, it just gave me a different impression. I thought, oh, I didn't know that aspect of Spielberg uh, thinking that it was like some kind of Asperger-ish, you know, relation. But anyways, okay, go on. So uh, then, you know, as time goes on, Sammy is like kind of like just really just show him kind of growing up throughout his life, uh, dealing with his parents uh, who are we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this here. But so eventually what happens is they go on a camping trip. They are somewhere in the first half hour to 45 minutes of the movie. We're met with uh, Uncle Benny, Uncle finger quotations, Benny which is uh, Seth Rogen, Rogen. who shows up as kind of like Paul Dano, his dad, basically his dad's best friend, Mr. Fableman's best friend. Yeah. And they go on a camping trip and Sammy films everything with his new camera. And uh, Sammy's just filming random stuff around filming stuff. Uh, Eventually his dad asks him because, okay, so they come back from the camping trip and his grandma slash his mom's mom dies and that sends Sammy's mom into like a psychotic tailspin basically where she starts acting very erratically and very depressed and really weird. And she's like a concert piano pianist. Um, She's like speaking of pianos, she's like a concert piano player. And then she doesn't even play piano anymore. And it's revealed that she's like been, you know, kind of not even leaving the house, that kind of thing. So, so Sammy's dad says, well, please put together a video or a video. What is wrong with me? Put together a film, edit together a film of our vacation. It'll make your mom happy. Yeah. So he begrudgingly does puts a, puts aside his scheduled films that he's making because he's really kind of hit this hot yeah, spot. Like that, you said, I with mean, his friends. Yeah, he had he had like his whole weekend plan to like film whatever. Um, I think it was like a like a war film. I think that he was yes. like shooting. And, yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he had like 40 guys coming in to, to yeah. help him film. And dad says, no, you need to do this. So like cheer up mom, because basically I'll buy you this gear, but yeah, you basically have to. dad knows that mom is cheating. Like he detects something is going on. You think that that's the thing? You think yes. that was the thing? Yeah. If you, watch that scene again. He knows something's off. He knows something's off. So he wants to get, I, I didn't look at it that way, but I, you're right. Probably. But anyway, so we'll, we'll get to that. So, Sammy, he, he, I, I guess I should say he, he didn't know that he he she, she was having an affair, but he felt like he was losing her. Like she, the interest in him from her was dwindling. Like he and could during tell. the camping trip, you can see that where he's yeah. like goof, she's like goofing around with Seth Rogen climbing yeah, trees. It's really awkward. Stuff. 
It's awkward. And he's kind of like, look, guys, I made a campfire. And everyone's like, whatever, Uncle Benny's here. You know, and they like all blow him up. So it's it's Stephen and his three sisters, or Stephen, Sammy and his three sisters. Um, which by the way, we did a bunch of research on this after the fact, and he did have three Steven Spielberg does have three sisters. His mom yep. anyway, major spoiler alerts coming if you're bothering to listen to this and not accept that, you know. <laughs> That we're going to give so, it away. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so he ends up putting together this film and comes to the realization that he catches Uncle Benny and his mom uh, canoodling. That was a word I was going to just say right now. Yeah. Canoodling. Good job. So, and he, and he puts two and two together after about a day of editing and he's like, oh, crap. My mom is cheating on my dad with his best friend. Clearly. Yeah. So he gets ice cold with his mom. His mom totally reacts to that and understands. See, tell can tell that something is wrong because her and Sammy have this bond, and that the bond just seems to be eroded. You know. Uh, meanwhile, then uh, Judd Hirsch shows up as his crazy uncle. Uh, I real say uncle. uncle. Leo. He's a real uncle. Yeah. 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 But he, yeah, uh, his uncle Boris. Yeah. And um, Uncle Boris is a lion tamer in the circus. And was like a showman and super thick Yiddish accent. And from what I read, uh, there was an Uncle Boris, okay. but that Spielberg told Judd Hirsch, do whatever you want. Like you make this character up yourself. And I thought I thought that was a, a pretty amazing character, really. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, over the top. So he, way over the top. Way over the top. And he yeah. comes in and he tells him, Hey, you know, you're basically he just is there to kind of like the only reason this character I can is to there really is to sort of be like, Sammy, you're a showman. You know, you got it in your blood. You love art more than you love your family and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the thing that winds up changing the course of Sammy's direction in life. And he just blows in town for like a weekend. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's crude and crass and he's just like eating chicken guy. with his hands and yeah. speaking a yeah. real thick Yiddish accent. You can, yeah. under, you know, barely understand him. Great yep. character. Yep. Um, which, by the way, I got to say for 80, whatever years old, Judd Hirsch has kept himself together pretty good. He's yeah, looking he pretty, has. pretty yeah. ripped. Since the old taxi days, which I, I thought when he did taxi, he seemed to be like kind of older then, you know, yeah, like he was like he the just, old wise guy then yeah, back in yeah. 78 yes. or whatever. So it is neat to see. I mean, I remember seeing, you hadn't seen him in years and all of a sudden he's an independence day and like, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember Basically the same character at, <laughs> in independence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he, so through, you know, there's a lot of background with like the school stuff and his growing up and he, they end up, his dad keeps getting promotions and moving and they move to Arizona. They bring uncle Benny with them. Then they finally, this realization comes out about Benny and his wife they move to LA where he keeps working for IBM because his dad is like a brilliant early on in the game, computer scientist, uh, computer developer. <clears throat> and um, so he ends up, they end up going to LA where Sammy runs into like anti-Semitism and he hates being there and he hates the whole California experience, yep. but he keeps making films the whole time. And, uh, uh, eventually they he finds his way to filming a senior skip day that they do uh, for this big thing on the beach and he sort of I mean there's it, it goes on and on but he ends up he ends up befriending the bad guy the the, the bullies the, the, the bully. bullies the the girls I mean they're just like he becomes the class hero of sorts like yeah 
he's the guy behind the scene, but everybody knows it and they either loved it or hated it, you know, what he shot, but he actually changes the viewpoint of people. Um, and he, he feels better about himself in this environment that he hates. Yeah. So his parents end up getting divorced. His mom splits and goes back to Phoenix to hang out with uncle Benny and leave the family behind. Uh, but as this, as time goes on, he, he and his dad sort of have kept their bond together. And uh, Sammy's decided that he wants to throw his hat in the ring to different TV studios or movie studios. He doesn't care. He just wants to get his name, you know, get his face in the place. <laughs> and he eventually gets a letter from CBS television to, as an invite to kind of come in and have a talk. So he goes to CBS and the guy's like, well, you're really not cut out for TV, but would you like to meet the greatest movie living movie actor or uh, movie no, director, director ever? Yeah. And he takes him across the hall and he sits down in this thing. And the secretary's like, it's going to be a while. We don't know. And uh, it turns out that he's sitting in the office of John Ford, John Ford, the great John Ford. And uh, eventually John Ford comes in played by David Lynch in one of the greatest cameo weird things ever it was it was so weird but and, i mean i don't know that much about john ford but i thought that portrayal of whoever he's doing was so great you oh know, yeah for, like the searchers and all those westerns he yeah. directed i everything. mean but i'm not f really familiar with him i know the name i haven't probably seen many of his films i mean i don't know john ford at all but that character was so great he comes in he's he's like dripping blood and he's got he's, he's bruised up and he's not no he's not dripping blood those are those are lipstick kisses on his face he's oh is that what that kisses. was yeah he's got oh. lipstick kisses all over his face which oh. again we researched this and spielberg oh. did meet john ford and john ford came into the office an hour after he got there waiting with lipstick kisses all over his face and the secretary had to wipe it off and he got oh. five he got two minutes with with uh john ford with john ford to which he gave him the greatest advice ever that anyone has ever given anybody that was really interesting wasn't it yeah, the, yeah i just thought wow that what a what a thing to give him. where's the horizon a, line in this photo yep. at the bottom where's the horizon yep. line in this photo at the top if it's at the bottom, it's interesting. If it's at the top, it's interesting. If it's in the middle, it's complete shit. <laughs> boring, boring ass. Yeah. Yeah, boring ass shit. Yeah. And, and he, then he said, "Get the f out of my office." <laughs> yeah, get the get, get out of my office. So he throws him out, which apparently that also happened. And uh, he that flips the light switch, and we see at the end, which is basically the movie poster itself. They show and, Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the greatest thing is the yeah. camera goes. And like it changes adjusts, changes the yeah. horizon yeah so uh, yeah i thought it was great okay so then the kind of you see sort of sammy walking off into the the movie lot set the lot uh and that's where we leave him and yeah. we can only assume he goes on to but, that brings us to the uh question what did you think about the fablemans did you like it did you not like it um i was expecting a lot more when i say that i feel like there was a lot that went into this movie. I mean, it's a big cinematic looking movie. A lot of the shots are beautiful. Um, you know, they, there was, you could tell they spent a lot, you know, on the actors and I mean, the whole ensemble of people there were just, there was a lot of, this was a big movie and I was really expecting to be blown away by it, you know, cause I haven't been too happy with, some of Spielberg's uh, recent movies, 
West Side Story. I didn't see it, but I just wasn't interested in it. I know I, I know people have said it's really good. Uh, the Post, I thought was horrible. It was really boring. Um, Bridge of Spies. I mean, stuff like this was okay movies, but just nothing that's really like Spielberg movie. You know, back in the day when there was a Spielberg movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters, Jaws. I mean, Minority Report even. <clears throat> you were excited to see it. I think now when it's Spielberg, I, it, it just, the excitement isn't there. So anyways, I, that's a long way of saying I expected more and it just wasn't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a feel good movie. I didn't feel happy about it when, um, when it was over, it was just, eh, it was okay. It's not a bad movie. Just, I don't know if I'd watch it again. So, uh, I saw Tony Kushner. I saw Tony Kushner speak here in Toledo not long ago, like a couple, like last month, maybe in October. Tony Kushner. Tony Kushner. He's the writer of the movie. Okay, I, all he wrote, right. He wrote the movie with Spielberg. Yeah. Why he was he? A, why was he in Toledo? Just doing like a tour, Press. like talking yeah. about his new book and his. Okay. Talking about the movie coming out. He also wrote Lincoln with. Okay. With Spielberg. I didn't like that movie either. <laughs> oh, I love Lincoln, but yeah. I love anything. DDL does. I'm down. I'll watch him. I'll watch that guy read the phone book, as they say. But uh, all right. So I saw Kushner. I love Steven Spielberg. I think Paul Dano is a really gifted actor. I agree. Uh, I hated this movie so much. <laughs> really? I For real, like legit was like, it's so far up its own ass. <laughs> and and it didn't listen. I, I get it. Like, it was physically, it was made well. Like, there are some amazing camera shots in it. Uh, I, I think that like, the, the color grading is beautiful. I love that last shot where they felt very the, period, felt very period color wise. But, uh, and like, uh, like the, the, the way the camera movement, like in that little apartment, his dad's apartment, the way the camera was moving and pulls back, it's just really well crafted. Yeah. But, I cannot, I could not get a beat on the acting. I didn't understand at all what was going on with the, with the tone of the movie. Like what do you mean? For instance, everyone acted like they were every, every actor in this movie acted like how actors act in movies in the 1960s, not like actual humans. So like, like it was like all leave it to beaver kind of, yeah, it was all super performative. Like it yeah. wasn't like you were watching any real people. It was like, it was like, well, I guess I better blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was you like think that, so that was strange. intentional though. I mean, but and it, you just, it was jacked you up. Just the didn't... tone was, if that was intentional, that was a bad intent. Well, I mean, because didn't... of the squeaky clean time period of the fifties or whatever, don't you think that it was like trying? No, to... that's not how people would act at all. Well, it's so I know. weird. I mean, I'm not saying they did I act mean... like that, but we we saw that on TV. With but that doesn't you know... that that's again that's a tone. What the hell kind of movie is that? Where you're like, let's have these fake actors act fake and say things that people would never say in real life, and then like act behave like like and okay and also the michelle williams character is i understand his mom was a weirdo but way too weird way like that whole weird. thing with the camping and the ballet dancing and the thing i'm like what is happening right now but, and it wasn't so much just her it was like the rest of the family was okay with it so they you were know? like wow amazing. <laughs> like they were in so awe weird. of you know, the mother and wife and, and, you know, being basically you could see through her dress, 
against the campfire and she's dancing around like the headlights like she was like a ballerina and it was just so awkward and i just thought why isn't the rest of the family think this is awkward why why are they just like what is going on is mom hammered like what's what's the deal and then like the whole thing with like paul dano's character the way he spoke in every line was ridiculous it was like it wasn't at all what actual human beings how they would actually speak even in the 1950s and 60s that's just not it wasn't the tone was so weird and the i think the only guy who knew what movie he was in was judd hirsch i think that's the only guy who actually understood what movie he was what they were going for i and again beautiful movie and took a lot took a lot of guts to tell the story that <clears throat> took a lot of guts to tell this story that apparently is very accurate to his life. I think that's one thing that is commendable that he really, you know, he had to wait for his parents to kind of pass away so he could tell the story the way that it really went down mm. um, without crushing them. But it was just, I could not deal with it, man. I was, I was like, wow, I actively do not like this movie. And I wanted to like it very much. Like I was hoping like, Oh, this will yeah. be great. And I'll get an insight. Uh, every I, all the the way that the the jock guys acted was like here's what I did here's how I described this to my wife after we saw it when you go see a musical and there are the weird little acting parts in between the songs like where they where they act before they bust into like a song yeah that's what it was like it was like watching musical acting acting in a musical I can see that without any songs that come in like well, he if did just come off was of a musical a, it would have made way of, more sense he did just come off a of west side story so maybe he was still kind of if know. this movie was a musical it would have made way more sense than the way it was presented as but this is how it really happened but the people acting it out are acting like they're on a tv show from 1956 it was so off and like her performance was so off-putting and i know mm-hmm. that like uh it was probably her like in real life, his mom, but no way, dude. I was not, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. David Lynch yeah. was great. Yeah. John Hirsch was great. That's yeah. the only two people who I think had any clue what movie they were in. <laughs> Honestly, like I wanted to like it, but I couldn't do, I couldn't, it was so, so far. And I don't even care about all the like, wow, what a great craftsman he is. You know, and I mean, like in the movie, how they portray him, like, you know, like the ketchup ball balloons with the special effects and all this nonsense that he supposedly did which is great but i just thought it was i just i I couldn't do it man well yeah and that's that was one thing i was kind of disappointed in i was again i going into this movie and not really knowing what to expect um and but i knew that the backdrop was kind of loosely not even loosely. It was it was based on uh, Spielberg's story, but I thought we were going to see more of him pre- making movies, and I thought I I was honestly hoped that we were like going to go into you know pseudo versions of Duel and um, you know some of the early you know films that Spielberg did. Yeah, I thought they were going to kind of advance the ball a little bit farther to like maybe in his twenties or you know maybe even thirty, like when he gets to like Duel, like you said. Yeah, it would have been or, or even gig. You know, like his his first thing that he did was for um, um, Night Gallery. Night Gallery. Yeah, I thought maybe when he was in um, when he got that letter in the mail, 
Um, I thought the letter was going to be about, hey, we'd like you to do something for Night Gallery. And I couldn't tell how old the kid is at this point, right? Like he's out of high school, but I, you know, the, the kid looks very youthful, which by the way, I have to say, the guy that played him, I don't know who he is, um, he looked so much like a young Spielberg. Like if you would dig out Gabriel LaBelle, if you would dig out pictures of young Spielberg, he was a spitting image of him. I could not get over every time I saw him. I was like, man, they really picked the right kid to portray him because he looks- I thought he was a I thought he was a good actor. Again, I didn't understand what movie he thought he was in. It was so weird. And they kept doing this thing where they would close up on his face. And I think they were trying to show like wonder and awe. Yeah. But he has these shark eyes that are almost like dead eyes. And like they it was so weird because like his eyes were like almost black and like glassy. It was really weird, man. It was just, the whole thing was a weird experience for me. The filmmaking of this movie was great. And I, and I, and I commend them for a really believable time period, you know, time, like a, uh, history in time in history when things were rough and yeah. the anti-Semitism was a, a interesting thing to address. Yeah. Um, but man, it was just too weird. It was just weird and off. Something was off about it, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And again, love Spielberg, love Tony Kushner. You know, I think that Paul Dano is one of the best out there, young guy that I think is going to end Agreed. up finding his thing. Yeah, uh, he's in one of my favorite movies ever, where There Will Be Blood. So it's yes, like, yeah, you know, mine too. I'm, yeah, so good. That whole movie is genius. I yeah, love I mean, that. and so I, I just don't. I, I just couldn't wrap my arms around this thing at all. And I wanted to badly, but that's a no for me, dog. All right. All right. Well, you hear it. So I would may or may not watch it again. And Eric you got stuck buying it. Yeah. 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 I may have to watch it again just to see all the little points that you brought out. So I hate negative reviews. It drives me nuts. And I hate being negative about stuff because I'm like positive guy. And I love mm-hmm. all the things about this movie, but I can't, I got a call. Like I see it on this. Thing. Uh, I, I mean, that's what our discussion usually is about. We're never like throwing any movie under the bus completely, but we give our opinions and what, you know, what we do like and what we would have hoped to see or hope not to see. Go All right. It. So enough about the Fablemans for God's sake. Um, let's talk about your corner. All right. Let's shift gears back to, uh, I'm going to go back to the beach. Oh, uh, I like that. I like, yeah, that's, nice that warm, feels buddy. more comfortable. Yeah. All right, so for my corner uh, to, uh, in this episode, I'm going to go a place that we haven't really gone too much yet, which is music. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I mean, it's good. We started it. out with piano this week, so that's yeah. nice. All right. So uh, over the the last couple of weeks, uh, one of my favorite musicians and one of my favorite singers, Terry Hall from the Specials, passed away uh, in in December, and I just wanted to throw a little spotlight on uh, the band, the Specials. AKA the specials, AKA uh, kind of a sky revival band from the late seventies that kind of shaped this guy into the monster that you see before you. Oh, okay. Um, when I was a kid, I was really into like, and I still am, but I was really into like rush and all these kind of like prog rock bands and stuff. And my dad was a blues guy and he was like, would travel around for business and he would go to a lot. He was really into new music at the time when I was a kid. And so he would go see like the pretenders play at like a little club or he would go see the clash in New York city. If he was there stuff like that. And so I said, dad, I really want 
a bunch of Rush albums for Christmas one year. And he said, I will buy you these Rush albums, but I'm going to buy you these other albums that you have to listen to as well if you want these other records. So I said, sure. So he bought me the first specials album and the second album, which is called More Specials. Uh, and I put those on and it like blew my brain out and I didn't care about anything else except ska and punk rock from then on, like for, I mean, I do now, but I mean, like as a kid, uh, it totally like flipped my whole script and I went nuts and followed everything. I learned more about madness and selector and all these bands. Uh, so the first two specials records, and this is during the eighties, during the eighties, late seventies, they started in the late seventies. Yeah. Right. And, um, so the, the, the first album is like the manifesto of like new revival ska in the seventies. I mean, it's starts out with the song gangsters and you've probably heard like ghost town, the 12 inch single always gets played like around Halloween, but it's oh, about the, like the actual break place is coming like a ghost town. That's yeah. Song. Yeah. yeah I love that's that it. Sing it. Love that song. Yeah. So, and that song is more about like the London music scene fragmenting than it is about haunted things. But anyway, um, too much fighting on the dance floor but, uh, so yeah so those Love first two specials yeah. records are great and when terry passed away he's his voice is super distinct very like i mean it, like he just had this kind of almost dandy quality to his voice uh very and the second specials album especially like i saw at some football game football match in 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 the uk somewhere they had Terry's quote of my name's Terry and I'm going to enjoy myself first and in quotes cuz that's the line from enjoy yourself the on the second album okay. and uh he kind of steps up he's just a cool voice uh if you're into anything like Elvis Costello or you know if you are into like you probably have already heard the specials but if by some odd chance you have not uh I highly recommend the first two specials albums they're one of those groups kind of like Bob Dylan or the Beatles that don't really need a greatest hits you can just buy the albums because they're all excellent. They're all greatest hits, really. Um, but the first two are pretty lights out. So that is my corner. Go listen to the specials. If you have them in your collection and you haven't dusted off, you know, blown the dust off them in a while, let's uh, tip the cap to Terry and listen to some specials. Tip the pork pie hat to Terry and uh, and listen to some specials today. Yeah. Todd, let's head over to your corner. What you got, bud? Okay, well, you know, I was going to do another movie, but uh, since you switched gears this time and did music, I thought I'd talk about something that I've always, it's kind of been a little, I've been passionate for a while, an artist. Um, Back in, I don't know what year it was now, 96, I think the movie That Thing You Do, remember That Thing You Do? I do. The Tom Hanks film. Um, I fell in love with that soundtrack. I mean, like, and I had a group of friends and my wife at the time. We all really got into that movie, and we, we it's a phenomenal movie. It's, it's so a, good. such a great movie. It's I, I, well, I'm always surprised when people say they've never heard about it or never seen it. I'm really taken back by it because it was t- t- Tom Hanks' direct directorial debut. But this, it's about a fictitious band um, who's just kind of growing up. Yeah, the Wonders that grew up in L- uh, Erie, PA. And you see them, they have a, they have a one hit wonder kind of song on the radio and they're called, they're called the wonders. And it's just a great little fun story. I, I love it. I've seen it a thousand times. 
when that soundtrack came out, I was really at a period with the music that I was listening to. I was kind of bored with what was on the radio. Indie, uh, independent music was starting to uh, be more radio friendly, I guess. There was a, a radio station here in Toledo. Uh, what was it 90? Was it 89X? I think, yeah, 89X. They played more stuff that no one else played. And I started exploring some of the bands, the indie rock bands at that time. I really loved The Wonders so much. I really was curious on who the band was. And in the credits, no one was credited. The Wonders was credited. If you go and look through all the uh, movie credit credits, if you look at the soundtrack credits, nothing. But they did say that the music was written by Adam Schlesinger. Now, I had no idea who Adam Schlesinger was at the time. I found that Adam Schlesinger was in a band called Fountains of Wayne, and I never heard of Fountains of Wayne. So I quick rushed out to the CD store when we used to have CD stores, bought the, the first thing I saw, listened to it. I hated it. It didn't even sound like the guy, the guy singing at all, too. Like I'm so disappointed. So as years went on, I got into other bands, uh, bands like Jellyfish, the Rembrandts, um, and Excellent. time went on and I, I ran into an artist. Uh, this is during the Napster days. I, I ran into an artist who just went by the name of Blue, B-L-E-U. And Blue had written with some, had written some songs with the lead singer of Jellyfish. And I was like, oh my God, this is super cool. And then they kept referring to this other guy um, who was in this band called the Candy Butchers. And like I, the name sounded stupid and like, okay. But I kept seeing Candy Butchers show up all the time. All right, let me see who's in this Candy Butchers. There's a guy named Mike Viola. I'm like, okay, no idea. Never heard of him. Really didn't. I don't know who you are. Never heard of you. I just kind of left it alone. This blue guy winds up doing an, an album with Mike Viola and it's kind of like an ELO tribute not a tribute band but it's like in in the spirit of elo and i'm a big jeff lynn fan i've always have been so like okay now you have my attention i listened to it very good album i love the album this mike viola turns out to be is the lead singer of the wonders it's his voice anytime you hear the wonders sing any song that's mike's voice as so now Fast forward, I, I really fall in love with Mike's music. Um, I, I get online, I meet a bunch of really cool people who are uh, in love with Mike Viola. We have like a really close uh, knit uh, kind of group. Um, we would do a every Wednesday, Mike would do a free show from his house and just play Mike Viola songs. Was, I mean, it, was a, it wasn't free, I guess, but it was cheap. It was through an app called Stage It. This is way before we had the live platforms that are just readily available to anyone. But he would, he would, you could tip, you could tip him. And we really got to like know him. He was almost like our online buddy to the point where my band uh, or my family band, so our family, um, we would open up for Mike. And, and other people would too. So they would, would do like an opening act show. I did, then, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's super yeah, cool. Yeah. It was, and um, there's this really fun time where Mike did this idea where he was like, he really liked the idea of these little bands that opened up for him out of our group. So he decided in his Mike logic that he's going to give themes to us now. 
And one of the ones was this Beatles theme. And he is going to randomly pick Beatles albums out of a, a box. And he's going to draw a name out of a hat, one of the band names. And whatever band and whatever album they had to do side two. That was his like rules. So he's got this whole video. He pulls a name, uh, the Stantones, which was our group name, pulls out the white album side two. That means we got revolution number nine. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> what are All we going to do? Tracks. So that's a whole story in itself. I won't go into that. But one thing, one thing that this led to was I got to be good friends with Mike and Mike actually put on a concert in my living room. So now Mike is a big wig. He, um, he works at Uni Universal Music and he uh, just recently, one of the big things he's done, he's co-written and produced a lot of the music for um, uh, Panic at the Disco. And so he's been on a world tour with, uh, what's his name, Brandon, whatever his last name is. That's sad. I don't even know. Anyways, it was just, that's just my little fun journey with music. Uh, I feel like it's been with me. Mike Viola's name and his voice has been with me for a long time. And it's just really nice to kind of have that little story in my back pocket. That's a, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love that story. You know, I think one of the things about the, uh, that thing you do is most music, in my opinion, most music oriented, like biopic slash, like whatever things are terrible. Like they don't like the, the lip syncing is dumb or you can tell that the person yeah. is like not a real musician or they learned how to play like one chord. I mean, and the story yeah. is dumb and yeah, it's just not, but I remember when I saw that movie, I was like, this is awesome. Like it, they seem like a real band. They, they behaved, yeah. they behaved like a real band. So if anyone has never seen that movie, that thing you do, you're, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. Please just, I don't know if it's on, I think it's probably on Amazon. I don't think it's available like any of the free streaming services, but see that movie. So my corner was the specials. Go, go back and pay tribute to Terry Hall. Yours was that thing you do, which yours was Mike that Viola. thing you do, yeah. which I thought yeah. that was a great pick. Uh, our next show, I think we're going to focus in on a movie called glass onion it's like a follow-up of the uh ryan johnson knives film. out knives out yeah yeah so, which i enjoyed came out, i like knives out yeah. anyway i think next time we're going to talk about uh we'll talk about glass onion we'll get on our corners and talk about whatever's on our our plates minds you know whatever's on our media minds yeah and uh i think that'll be good sounds good man looking forward to it Man, this was another great episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. We will see you next time. See ya.